Music is such a wonderful gift. The anthem the choir sang really could substitute for the sermon, but, um, well, we'll keep going. (laughs) It was beautiful. Thank you. Um, And that middle hymn we just sang, um, We Would Be Building, uh, written by Perd Dietz. Um, Perd's son, Jim, is now in his late 80s, a very dear friend, uh, where we see them every summer up at our place in Minnesota. Uh, And Jim has been a faithful uh, UCC minister, both he and his father in the United Church of Christ. And um, he lives a life of faith and grace. And uh, this hymn expresses so many of the hopes and dreams we have for our world. And I think of his life and Jeremiah, whose lips were touched for the building up of God's kingdom and purposes on earth. And so we enter this sermon series we're in, Living Your Yes. Living your yes in the midst of an uncertain and rapidly changing world where the ground shifts, where faith falters, and questions abound. This is our challenge during these spring days following Easter. Listen to how the late Secretary General of the United Nations, Dag Hammarskjöld, framed it in his book of Spiritual Insights, Markings. I don't know who or what put the question. I don't know when it was put. I don't even remember answering But at some moment, I did answer yes to someone or something. And from that hour, I was certain that existence is meaningful and that therefore my life in self-surrender had a goal. The yes we want to embrace today is grace-filled living and giving. Recently, I saw the movie The Promise, which gives uh, some good history and background during the times of World War I, and I was reminded of this story from that First World War. It's about a mother whose unusually remarkable son gave his life on the battlefront. He was an outstanding young man, and his brilliance followed him early. From the first, he had led his classes, and at Oxford, he went on to win distinct honor. But he went to war, and his life was blotted out by an exploding shell. The mother dreamed a singular dream. She thought an angel came and told her that she could have five minutes back with her son. Choose, said the angel, what five minutes you will have. Will you have five minutes of his life when he was leading classes at Oxford? Or would you prefer to have five minutes of those days that he spent in the service of his country, those last days of his life? And the mother thought for a moment, and then she said, If I can have him back for five minutes, I should prefer to have him not as an Oxford student, nor during his soldier days, If I can have him back for five minutes, I want to have him as a little boy on a day he disobeyed me. I remember how he ran into the garden, angry and rebellious. 
Then in a little while, he came back and threw himself into my arms, asking me to forgive him. His face was hot and red. He looked so small and miserable and so precious. I saw his love in his eyes. I felt his love in his body pressed against mine. And how my love went out to him. If I can have him back for five minutes, I want to take him back as that little mercy-seeking boy. Embracing grace-filled living and giving is a big part of living your yes. Think of grace as extravagant goodness. Think of grace as extravagant goodness from God. Think of grace as God's goodness given freely to you. And haven't most of us said things like, there but for the grace of God go I? We are saved by grace. So catch again a portion of our Ephesians text. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things on earth and things in heaven. Mercy, forgiveness, and love are all wrapped up together in grace. And we don't control it, and we can't always understand it, but we can receive it. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. Is there a broken record here? No. It's just that when it comes to being saved by grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord, there's nothing you have to do. Every Christian who believes that Jesus came to deal with sin believes that a newfound freedom is available to all. As our Ephesians text says, a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him. It is by grace that I am standing here today. It is not by my own doing. Everything that I have and everything that I am are a gift from God. I am standing here today because of God's goodness freely given to me, which is grace. Prior to practically every sermon I preach, I offer the following prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, and be my guest, and let this sermon to you and your people be blessed. Amen. Grace Moore, who you probably don't know of, was an opera star, popular in the earlier part of the 20th century, she was known as the Tennessee Nightingale. Well, she returned to her childhood home in Tennessee to visit an old school friend. Her friend's husband was a good old country boy, and he was amazed at the singer's presence. And when his wife went into the kitchen to prepare lunch, 
he continued to address her as Miss Moore. Miss Moore. Well, trying to put him at ease, the opera star said, why don't you just say grace? And immediately the man jumped to his feet, bowed his head, and said, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Now, I know that many of you say grace before meal time. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let the, this food to us be blessed. God is good and God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Meal time is here. The board is spread. Thanks be to God who gives us bread. There are so many different ways to say grace before a meal. Some are memorized. Some are spontaneous. I'd like to suggest... I'd like to suggest this morning that we say grace dozens of times at other occasions during the day. How about before going out for a pleasant walk or an evening stroll? Just say a grace and then go on your walk. Or a friend, having a friendly meeting or meeting someone for a cup of coffee. Just say a grace before you do that. Or when a problem is solved or you're trying to solve a problem. Say a grace. Why don't we create our own grace prior to reading a good book, attending a play, or a concert, or any other activity we engage in, but that we tend to take for granted? Just say a 15, 10 or 15 second grace, and then enter into that activity. I am convinced that grace, the more you say it, the more you live it, and the more you live it, the more you give it. Grace. Grace is that wonderful gift, unconditional love that we receive and in turn can give. Grace is another word for love, except that it carries the additional meaning that the love is totally unmerited, completely unearned, and absolutely undeserved. It can be called in spite of love because it's offered and given in spite of the fact that it's a recipient in no way deserves to be loved with this kind of love. Now, I think of the times in my life when I've received grace. And believe me, there have been plenty. When I've forgotten to do something, I only did this once, but I forgot a wedding. Not good. (laughs) Fortunately, I knew the person who was getting married, and it was a second wedding. It wasn't a large affair, and they called me, and um, when I got there, they extended grace. I apologized profusely, and and, uh, they extended grace. We had a good laugh, and uh, they had a wonderful, wonderful wedding, but... um, Yeah, there have been times when I have broken a commitment. There have been times when I've been in a foul mood. When I've exhibited behavior that's not so nice. Times when I've really screwed up. And I suspect if you think of your own life, you've probably been there too. This church, in both direct 
and subtle ways is an ever-present comfort to me in times of personal struggle. There have been times when I have felt I have not lived up to certain expectations, that I have disappointed some people, that I have not done all that I could, and sometimes this realization is depressing, particularly when I've let down a staff member, a committee, or any of you. But then something rescues me from my discouragement. It may be something tangible, like the love and support of my wife, or like the sense of trust and acceptance which I feel here. Sometimes it's the nurture and listening ear of one of my colleagues on the staff, or a smile, a hug, or a word of encouragement from one of you. Perhaps it is divine grace allowing me to feel that regardless of my worth and what I've done or haven't done, I'm loved. And so having known love, having witnessed courage, humility, compassion, and dignity, I feel that I have truly lived. Somehow I am confident that when I die, no matter how rudely that event may interrupt my most cherished plans, life will not have shortchanged me in any way. I know of no greater gift that anyone may ask, and so I thank you. And with the prayer that you and I may truly be together in this moment, I thank God. Friends, thank you for living your yes with grace-filled living and giving.